Hello, and it's still the uh, 6th of February. Three days to my birthday. 43. Woohoo. Wonder what I'm going to get. Yeah, not bothered. Am I materialistic? When you go, when you're not materialistic, you go spiritual. You don't need material things. You just enjoy the mind, which I'm doing here. Spiritual stuff. Sorry, that was a bit funny, man. Anyway, so yeah, so we're going to continue. Probably turned off now because you think I'm a madman. <laughs> so we're going to continue with the questions for the Lion Tamer Q4LT. You see, they've got a website uh, if you put in Q4LT, and it'll take you to a form all about, you know, delving into the mystery that is DMT. Okay, so um, we are on the, as I said in the last chapter, this is the uh, last chapter of the series, the Gamma Wave series, and then after that we'll be looking at Wild Theory series, which is a big one, uh, and then it's interviews at the end with Dr. Drip. Rick Strassman and Dr. Stephen Barker. So there's only two series, basically. The Gamma Wave series and this Wild Theories series. So, yeah, so we're going to finish off looking at the Supernormal and Wim Hof. Let's continue with Sketches of Spain. And here we go. Supernormal and Wim Hof. So far, we've covered quite an array of topics that seem to coincide with gamma waves and potentially endogenous DMT synthesis. We have aha, that's an exclamation mark, moments, lucid dreaming, sleep paralysis, electrically induced lucid dreaming, out of body experiences, REM sleep, meditation, deep hypnosis and subsequent anomalistic effects, past life recollection, hypnagogia, near-death experiences, deja vu, psychic mediumship and the God Helmet experiences. We've also included the EEG findings from ayahuasca administration as well as DMT ingestion. Let's continue down the bunny hole of analyzation of commonalities amongst the supernormal, paranormal, or whatever you'd like to label it as. Like we stated in chapter 5, the creator of the original EEG machine was a man named Hans Berger. That's B-E-R-G-E-R. He developed the device in order to quantify what he believed to be the ability of humans to communicate telepathically. He failed to succeed, but as stated previously, we believe that it might coincide with the inability of analog EEG devices to measure brain waves above 25 Hz, gamma. Brackets, gamma. The controversial potential of telepathic communication is the fact that it might change what mainstream science knows about the origin of consciousness. The subject also causes us to ask deeper questions about what we understand about outside electromagnetic influences on the brain and behaviour. A 2008 study in the International Journal of Yoga outlined the brain imaging of a man named Gerard Senehai. 
that's S-E-N-E-H-I, during telepathic transfer between himself and another subject. The result was as follows. The mentalist demonstrated significant activation of the right parahippocampal gyrus, G-Y-R-U-S, as a successful performance of a telepathic task. The comparison subject, who did not show any telepathic ability, demonstrated significant activation of the left inferior frontal gyrus. Another study in 2012 in the International Journal of Yoga would verify whether a different person, a man named Sean Harabance, would showcase the same neural correlates with psychic ability compared to the 2008 study. The results were as follows. The raw data from the unique electroencephalographic pattern displayed by Sean Harabans during his intuitive state revealed a peak increase of power within the upper beta, beta range, 20 to 30 hertz, within the right parahippocampal region only. The congruence of the region of activation during telepathy by Sean Harabants and Gerald Senehai, especially when the specific electromagnetic and cellular characteristics are considered, suggests the parahippocampal region may be a focus for exploration of the mechanisms by which these phenomena might occur. This would appear to be rather intriguing results based on two findings. The first one is that the right parahippocampal gyrus area was activated during successful telepathy in Mr. Senehai. Senehai spelled S-E-N-E-H-I. Mr. Senehai, as well as psychic mediumship in Mr. Harry Vance. That's H-A-R-R-I-B-A-N-C-E. The second one is that the 2012 study showcased Mr. Harabans as having showcased an upper beta range during his psychic performance. Being that we've outlined the initial limitations of analog EEG machines limited to less than 25 hertz compared to digital EEG machines, as well as the propensity for different researchers to label waves between 25 and 35 hertz, interchanging beta for gamma and vice versa, based on personal preference, we believe that upper beta can easily be interchanged for gamma or lower gamma. Many researchers will label 25 hertz and above as simply gamma. We've seen this in the earlier study regarding electrically induced lucid dreaming as well as studies published in the Public Library of Science, Frontiers in Human Neuroscience, Conference Proceedings of the IEEE Engineering in Medicine and Biology Society, Cognitive Processing, Frontiers in Human Neuroscience, Frontiers in Integrative Neuroscience and Neuron. There appears to be a lack of consistency in the labelling of the 25 to 35 hertz range among EEG researchers. In fact, when looking at the most recent categories added to the spectrum of EEG analysis, 
It appears as though numerous labels have been added to the original four. Delta, Theta, Alpha and Beta. Delta, Theta, Alpha, Beta. Infraslow oscillations. That's less than 0.1 hertz. Epsilon waves. That's less than 0.5 hertz. Mu wave. Mu wave. 9 to 11 hertz. SMR wave. 13 to 15 hertz. Beta 1. 12 to 15 hertz. Beta 2. 15 to 20 hertz. Beta 3. 20 hertz to 26 hertz. High beta, that's HI, high beta, 26 to 32 hertz. Hypergamma, greater than 100 hertz. Lambda waves, that's L-A-M-B-D-A waves, greater than 200 hertz. To add to the amusement of our society's incessant need to label and compartmentalise everything, the consistencies among the hertz range for many of these sub-labels seem to, once again, vary according to personal preference of the researcher. Digression is rearing itself once again. Let us continue. While some of the concepts presented in the earlier parts of this series seem rather straightforward and palatable, aha moments, REM sleep, lucid dreaming, meditation, some of the latter concepts, such as psychic mediumship, growth stimulation from hypnosis, past life recollection, and telepathy, will make the average skeptic squeal with contempt. I don't blame them as much as what we are discussing isn't exactly embraced by mainstream scientific circles. Much of the cited studies concepts leads us to develop questions past our own biology and physiology and beliefs as to what humans are and are not capable of. While much of the focus of this discussion has been in regards to the EEG state during many of these supernormal moments, there appears to be a likelihood of correlation, direct or indirect, as it pertains to the general respiration rate of the subjects. It's generally well known that much of the focus of many medicine practices has to do with a variation of rhythmic breathing exercises. We've also outlined the biological parameters and benefits of sleep, breath rate and the dream state in chapters 1 and 3. A 2010 study in the journal Advances in Experimental Medicine and Biology quantifiably documents the increased breath rate during REM sleep. In 1991, the journal Electroencephalogram encephalography encephalography, and (coughs) clinical neurophysiology published a study in regards to EEG measurements of induced hyperventilation aka respiratory alkalosis A-L-K-A-L-O-S-I-S The conclusion was as follows Hyperventilation caused an exponential increase in slow activity and in decrease in alpha power Blood flow velocity was decreased by hyperventilation, but increased by hypoxia. It is concluded that the EEG changes observed during hyperventilation must mainly or totally be attributed to factors other than cerebral hypoxia. 
1992, the journal Electroencephalography and Clinical Neurophysiology published a study comparing the effects of indomethacin, I-N-D-O-M-E-T-H-A-C-I-N, indomethacin, versus hyperventilization-induced reduction in cerebral blood flow with EEG analysis. The study concluded in the hyperventilation group, the blood flow velocity decreased to 63% of the initial value and the Q, that's a little Q, EEG showed a marked increase in delta and theta activity, but a non-significant change in alpha peak frequency. Indomethacin and hyperventilization hyperventilation caused similar degrees of vasoconstriction. vasoconstriction. However, the increase in QEEG slow wave activity, which was observed only in the hyperventilation group, is apparently related to metabolic rather than hemodynamic factors. The significance of these two EEG studies in regards to hyperventilation, respiratory acalosis, acalosis, yeah, is the fact that slow wave uh, theta delta uh, activity increased uh, as a byproduct. Um, activity increased as a byproduct. When you combine this with the observation of slow wave modulating fast wave gamma activity, it leads us to believe that there is an apparent feedback loop between breath rate and EEG state. While the term hyperventilation generally seems to have negative connotations, deep rhythmic breathing, such as that observed during REM sleep and meditation, can appear to offer undeniable positive physiological benefits for both the brain and body. One practitioner who is utilising deep rhythmic breathing in an undeniably supernormal manner is 26 Guinness world record holder Wim the Iceman Hoff. He has shown extraordinary abilities when it comes to withstanding extreme cold climates. According to the Iceman, he utilises the power of his mind via meditation and breathing techniques in order to control his internal thermostat. In 2009, Wim would climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, 19,340 feet above sea level in just two days. In 2009, Wim would also complete a 26-mile marathon above the Arctic Circle in Finland, temperatures averaging minus 4 degree Fahrenheit, while dressed in nothing but shorts. He completed the marathon in 5 hours and 25 minutes. Not to be limited to cold challenges, in 2011 the Iceman would complete a 26 mile marathon in the Namibian desert, 104 Fahrenheit, without drinking any water. While this would be considered very dangerous for most people due to the likelihood of one's core body temperature overheating leading to uh, hypothermia and septic shock. Wim's core temperature would remain the same throughout the marathon. 
2014, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences published a paper on the effects of the Wim Hof Method. The study itself comprised of 24 volunteers in which 12 of them would train for 10 days utilising Wim's techniques, such as third eye meditation, cold immersion and cyclic hyperventilation, followed by breath retention. The other 12 volunteers would not undergo any training at all. The study was based on observing the physiological differences in both groups after having been administered the endotoxin known as E. coli. The results were as follows. Hitherto, both the autonomic nervous system and innate immune system were regarded as systems that cannot be voluntarily influenced. The present study demonstrates that through practicing techniques learned in a short-term training program, the sympathetic nervous system and the immune system can indeed be voluntarily influenced. Finally, flu X symptoms were lower in the intervention group. In conclusion, <coughs> we demonstrate that voluntary activation of the sympathetic nervous system results in epinephrine release. That's E-P-I-N-E P-H-R-I-N-E and subsequent suppression of the innate immune response in human in vivo V-I-V-O These results could have important implications for the treatment of conditions associated with excessive or persistent inflammation such as autoimmune diseases Being that hyperventilation leads to respiratory acalosis which coincides with depressed carbon dioxide CO2 levels, which is labelled hypocapania, that's hypo and then C-A-P-N-I-A, neurotic labelling rears its head once again, it brings us back to the melatonin, C13H16N2O2, and DMT, C12H16N2 relationship. General consensus across mainstream medical circles is that both the arterial blood pH and venous blood pH are supposed to remain within a tight bandwidth between 7.35 to 7.45. Any shift or change in blood pH out of these acceptable parameters is considered abnormal and even dangerous. However, it's interesting to note that in looking at the chart down below, the arterial blood pH of the Wim train group would rise as high as 7.75. We have a figure here, picture here. Cardiorespiratory and biochemical changes during cyclic hyperventilation and breath retention in a representative subject of the train group. So on the, the column it has, on a row it says pH, PCO2, KPA, PO2 in brackets KPA, HCO3 in brackets MMOL slash L, and then lactate MMOL. And then on the uh, columns it says start, end hyperventilation, end attention, end hyperventilation, end attention, end hyperventilation, end retention. So, yeah, heavy, 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 heavy chart. This indicates that the Wim Hof trained practitioners are releasing significant levels of carbon dioxide, CO2, 
from their body during their feats. Though there have yet to be any scientific studies whether Wim is synthesising DMT endogenously via his methodologies of breathing and methodologies of breathing and meditation, the anecdotal reports from practitioners of the Wim Hof method appear to be rather convincing that at a minimum there are likely trace amounts of DMT being produced from these exercises. Of course, we are making this hypothesis based on all the data presented in previous chapters. In 2013, an article in the Journal of Neurotransmission postulates the following as it pertains to DMT and respiration lungs, stroke lungs. Based on the available evidence, we speculate that DMT functions in the following manner. In response to a life-threatening situation or the physical signals of agony, the lungs can synthesise large amounts of DMT by quick removal of the endogenous dialyzable INMT inhibitors without the need of new enzyme synthesis and release it into the arterial blood within seconds. Once DMT enters blood circulation, it is relatively safe from degradation since extracellular circulating monoamine oxidase enzyme deaminates only primary amines, amines, A-M-I-N-E-S. McEwen and Sober, 1967. Therefore, the tertiary DMT is not a substrate for plasma monoamine oxidase and can reach the brain with minimal degradation. brackets and in bold, the following are seven anecdotal reports from practitioners, practitioners on the WHM group on Facebook. The names and pictures have been omitted to respect their privacy. We must remain cognizant that much like in Dr. Rick Strassman's trial chronicled in his book DMT, The Spirit Molecule, book I've got here, Different levels of DMT lead to different experiences. The lowest dose led to a euphoric feeling with no hallucinogenic properties, while the highest dose led to transcendental experiences. Hashtag what? Right, this is gonna sound weird, but I was doing some breathing in the shower. MB, you are only advised to do it later in the course. And closing my eyes as I held, well, for a moment, I saw this complex geometric shape, like a chrysanthemum, or something more hexagonal or star-like. The definition of the definition of it was like higher definition than real life. The image was so sharp, it was kind of overwhelming, and I opened my eyes. Anyone got any ideas what this might be or mean, if anything? Hashtag two. Question on boosted energy and good feelings using WHM, the Wim Hof method basically. I have been doing a WHM for a while now and never felt any boost of energy, good feeling after the WHM. I would only feel happy, calm as I was doing the exercise. The other day I did the WHM and felt really great. It inspired me to go out for a walk, and it felt absolutely amazing. That sounds like the experience people were getting from the WHM. However, it only happened at one time and now 
when I do the breathing, I do not get that feeling boost of energy. Anyone go through something similar? Hashtag free. Today I was doing my breathing rounds, and after the third one, I had the weirdest experience I've had, which many of you might be familiar with. During the tension, I seemed to have gone somewhere. When I looked at the stopwatch, it was 3.30, and I didn't feel I needed any breath. I was calm as calm can be beyond everything. I stopped the tension as I had never been in this space before. I didn't plan it. How far do you go if you get into this space of beyondness? Thanks in advance for sharing your experiences. Hashtag four. Day one, week three. On the third attention, I saw the lights. It was like they were on the corners of the square and the brightest LED lights ever, but very far away. On the fourth attention, I came to in a very calm state in light. At some point, I had stopped the timer on my phone, but had no recollection. Really powerful moments, wanted to share. Hashtag five. Nice report, a success for me. I have been going on small cold runs, only short and shows in sub-zero conditions for a few months now. I have been building up my tolerance gradually. My greatest challenge has always been my fingers. Today I ran 4.5 kilometers in minus six centigrade and at the end of the run my hands were fine. I have practiced again and again visualizing sending heat to my hands. Today it seemed to work. What helped was also imagining that my hands were covered in warm gloves. The power of the mind is amazing. Hashtag six. After a few rounds, I feel about the same as I do on a low dose psilocybin. It's very clear and razor sharp. Fear is also extremely diminished. Reply, yes, I did 40 minutes of breathing rounds and very psilocybin-like, which, very psilocybin-like, which is pretty much low level DMT anyway. Virtually indistinguishable. So much potential, especially when accessing to deeper levels with with stroboscope, which I only have glimpses. Often on psychedelics, we make the mistake thinking it's out there, when really we may just be swimming in our cells, which are gateways, wormholes to other dimensions inside themselves. The features of DMT scapes appear to contain a lot of the elements in cell anatomy. Hashtag seven. I am pretty familiar with DMT myself, and the experience I had on the fourth day definitely felt like a DMT trip, but without the insane visuals. Laughing out loud. Reply, I had no idea it was possible to feel that good without outside sources. Well, DMT is traditionally considered to be a hallucinogenic compound, If it is produced during the Iceman's feats as well as those of his practitioners, it could lead to the recategorization of the compound altogether. Seeing something that that is not there is one thing. Being able to perform significantly measurable, abnormal and supernormal 
defeats during the synthesis of a compound with something else altogether. Perhaps this is one of the ways nature intended DMT to be accessed. In brackets and bold. The above image was provided by Dr. Juan Acosta Urquidi. I'll spell that name actually. U R Q U I D I. Urquidi. From his uh, study on exogenous DMT administration, published in the Journal of Natural and Social Philosophy in 2015. Um, the same coherence was observed across gamma bands as well. DMT appears to signify a Lucy type of effect on brain coherence. In 2012, the journal Psychosomatic Medicine published a study on Wim Hof's physiological measurements from being fully immersed in ice for 80 minutes, as well as his biological reaction to endotoxemia administration. Endotoxemia administration. E N D O T O X E M I A. Endotoxemia administration. Hard word to pronounce. I reached out to the scientists who conducted this study and received additional information from a document titled Supplementary Digital Content. The information we were looking for was specifically as it pertained to the EEG data of Wim Hof. It is as follows. The EEG showed normal cortical background activity at baseline with an occipital perito temple alpha rhythm of 8.8 to 9.3 hertz. During the first four hours of the experiment, including baseline, LPS lipopolysaccharide derived from E. coli infusion and meditation period afterwards there were no signs of encephalopathy 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 degeneration of brain function not a drop in vigilance shown as either drowsiness or sleep during the subject's concentration meditation cycle Short periods, 10 to 15 seconds, of focused attention were found in the EEG, reflected by disappearance of the occipital parietal alpha rhythms and diffuse irregular beta frequencies associated with cognitive activity. Quantitative EEG showed no relevant changes during the sample periods. EEG analysis EEG was determined using a standard 21 lead recording with surface AG stroke AGCL cup electrodes as described previously in chapter 2 and 4. The full length recording was analysed visually by an experienced clinical neurophysiologist NVA, MVA and scored using a 5 category classification system for septic encephalopathies. encephalopathies. Additionally, EEG background activity was monitored during concentration meditation and the presence of drowsiness or sleep was noted, as were signs of shivering indicated by the presence of tremorous muscle activity artifacts at both the scalp and chest electrodes. For further quantitative analysis, at least once per 30 minutes, uh, 
a one minute artifact view, free raw EEG sample, a 10 second epoch of the subject lying awake with his eyes closed was selected. The most interesting take from the presented notes of the study was the fact that for 10 to 15 seconds the alpha waves would disappear to be replaced by irregular beta frequencies associated with cognitive activity. Based on all of the information that we have looked at thus far as it pertains to the huge gamma wave generated by long-time mediators during REM sleep and during hypnosis, it wouldn't be surprising whatsoever to find out that the irregular beta frequencies were in fact waves in the 25 to 35 hertz range or greater, which could easily be characterised as gamma waves. This is just speculation based on what we believe to be an educated hypothesis. It would be likely that a more extensive EEG focused study would need to be designed for Wim Hof to showcase precisely what type of brain waves are being generated by him during his feats. Well, it's no secret that the Iceman is a long time practitioner of meditation and yoga. It's the, it'd be very surprising to see that he does not generate gamma waves comparable to that of other long-time meditation practitioners. It seems as though the EEG data from the 2012 study was predominantly focused on observing potential encephalopathy I'll spell that E-N-C-E-P-H-A-L-O-P-A-T-H-Y encephalopathy the generation of brain function due to E. coli administration. The intriguing narrative that the Iceman consistently touts is that he is not the first person in the world to display these types of abilities. He states that he just so happens to bring these abilities to the scientific setting with open arms. It is our opinion that the studies regarding Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method are one of the most significant of the recent modern era as it showcases supernormal feats that can be replicated amongst the general public in 2016. But the current studies regarding WHM have focused on cold immersion and consciously influencing one's own immune system. It appears that the internal physiological commonalities with much of the phenomena discussed in the first seven chapters lead us to believe that there is much more to be brought to light within the scientific setting. I believe that Wim is a pioneer in bridging the gap between what once was deemed a purely esoteric and bringing it into predominant scientific discussion. We must remain cognizant that science deciphers mechanisms. It doesn't create, especially when it comes to human physiology. Since Mr. Hoff is not the first to display specific, never before observed abilities in a scientific setting, it leads us to ask the question, what else is there? Could the observations outlined in the previous parts of this series be true? If so, how much deeper does the rabbit hole really go? That leads us to the next part, the Wound Theories series. Wow. And that's the big, that's the main chunk of this book, really. So yeah, great. Hope you enjoyed uh, the Gamma Waves series, which I've managed to vocally record onto Pablo's channel.
So yeah, so please join me when I decide to start recording the Wild Theory series. Um, next time, I'm going to stop now because I'm going out of breath. <laughs> Bye for now, folks.